0: tonight jumping right in. Uh, well, last week we talked about uh, just uh, pursuing the treasure, uh, the treasure being Christ. And I, I, how'd it go this week? Did you do some treasure hunting? Yeah, it was, uh, man, just like, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. Tonight can be a moment of that, just to say, God, that's why I'm here. Like, I didn't know why I was here, but now I know, like, man, if, if I can know you, Lord, m- use this moment tonight that I might get to know you, to, to know you better, to to find that treasure of, of who you truly are. So tonight, I don't think I've ever preached a message exclusively on this topic before. I'm pretty sure I haven't. Uh, and as I was thinking about it and prepping for it, I was reminded of uh, March, March uh, first week of March 2020. I was uh, in Orlando, Florida with my brother-in-law, Wes. And uh, we had traveled down there for a conference, and I had to, like as I was prepping for this, I was like, "Man, these vivid memories came back to me of things that happened there, and that the behavior in my life that changed as a result of being at this conference." Uh, one of the, one one of the things Wes, Wes is like, he loves the water. If you don't know him, he's from Sweet's Corners. He's he kiteboards as much as he pastors, uh, and he uh, loves the water. He wanted to go surfing, and so he's like, "We got to go surfing." And I was like, "All right, fine." So we left the. The conference. I think we were on break. We drove an hour to the beach to go to go find a place to go surfing, and he was like, we are both rent boards and wetsuits." And I'm like, "Let me just go touch the water." And I touched the water, and it was freezing cold. I'm like, "You know what, bud? You're on your own." Then I found out that the beach we were on is the highest rate of shark bites in the whole like I think it's in like in North America, uh, and it, it's like there's we saw sharks swimming out there. They're little, but they still bite. And so I'm like. Forget it. Not doing it. I'm going to stay on the beach. And uh, on our way there, I realized we had forgotten to bring sunscreen. We left here in March, and so we didn't think about it. And so we stopped at Walmart on the way, and Wes ran in. And being uh, Dutch, he found the smallest bottle of sunscreen he could find. It was SPF 50, and so we went there and he's like going in the water and he's like, well, I don't need this here. It he gives it to me. And so I'm looking at it like, yeah, that should protect me. And so I stick it on and rubbing it out. This, like, this stuff's weird. Like it's not like normal sunscreen, but maybe it's just a different type of thing. And so I go and I just meet that. He goes surfing and I'm like lonely. So I just walk on the beach and I start talking to people. And I have these people who like some of these guys just become my instant friends and they're talking to me for a long time. But I probably talked to like 35, 40 people. Then I get back after a couple hours, and Wes looks at me like, what is on your face? I'm like, what? And I look in the in the mirror of the car, and I got like orange streaks of bronzer makeup all over my face, my arms. I look like little mini Donald Trump, and and I was like, I changed my behavior. One, I don't travel anywhere with Wes DeVries anymore, and two, I read the label. Then, uh, you know, Wes is like, he loves Chick-fil-A. He preached about me for years. So this is like, I don't know why he ended up in here so much, but he loves Chick-fil-A like so much that we, every time we had to eat a Chick-fil-A there, we went sometimes twice a day, like the Polynesian sauce just got me, but so did everything else. I came home with like a gallstone attack. And so I was like, from now on, no more Chick-fil-A twice a day. That just can't happen. And then, and then before we leave the conference, there was like 4,000 people there, leaders and pastors and and of course, the building they had in didn't have enough washroom, so they had this big long row of porta potties. And so right before we leave, we leave early, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna use the porta-potty before we leave west. Just watch, just make sure nobody tries to get in. I don't know why I told them that. But I go in there, I'm like, this is a different looking porta potty than I'm used to. The handle's huge, and so I'm like, okay, I turn it, I sit there, and doesn't it happen? That the next pastor that comes along rips the door open. I'm like, he's like, I throw the the Kleenex or the whatever. He slams the door, his buddies are all outside there. There's no soundproof in there. They're laughing, like, ah, look what happened to you. And Wes is like, he's booking it, right? He knows he did a bad thing. And then I come out and there, he's laughing away, so far away from me. I'm like, I'm never going anywhere with this guy again. But I changed my behavior. Every porta potty I go into now, I check to make sure that that lock is like doubly locked, and maybe I'll just even hold it or just avoid the porta potty altogether. All of these things that like affected my life in a powerful way, I changed my behavior almost immediately. And then there was this one. I was sitting in the in the room, and I heard this guy named uh, Pete Gazzaro, uh, and he was speaking, and and uh, he started talking about things I've never really heard about. I mean, I, I've heard the terms, but I just never really listened. And tonight, there's going to be people like that watching online. There's going to be people like that right now. You're listening tonight, but you're not really listening. You're listening with your ear, but you're not listening with your heart. It's not that, that, like, that desire to understand. And I don't fault you, because that was me that day. And there I am sitting there listening. He's talking about these things like silence and solitude and Sabbath. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I, I, I just was like a little bit intrigued, but, but not, not totally. And then he begins to describe a person. He begins to describe this leader who he feels like they're always running on empty. And he feels like they're like, they're go, go, go. They're going to do great things. And then they know that Jesus like, took time to slow down. And they're like, yeah, yeah, someday. And they think that somewhere like just after the next thing they do, they're going to find this satisfaction there. Or they're going to find the chance to take a break. Or they're going to rest a little bit. And they don't. And I'm like, Hmm that's me. And then he says, there's going to be a bunch of leaders who say, hmm, that's me in your minds right now. And guess what? You're going to go home and do nothing about it. And I was like, that's a challenge. I'm not one of those guys. I, I'm going to do something. So I finished, he finished his speech and then they had these breakout sessions. It was in a tent and I went and found the tent that he was in. And I went and I sat and I listened to some of his other sessions and he began to describe this life of just being like rested and, and, uh, and doing ministry out of this place of rest. And I was like this, is like, this is like everything that I want somehow, but I have no concept of how to get it. I don't even think it really exists. Then he described people who he had seen and he met and he described his own life. And I was like, okay, some people have figured this out. I, I, I don't know what it is. And then he's like, you know what? Let me tell you why people don't do it. We're like, okay, why? And he says, you know what? People say things like, I'm too busy for that right now. And I thought, okay, I, 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 can, I can hear that. But he says, it's more than that. It's like there's a habit or a rhythm of your life, and they don't know how to change it. It's like hardwired in their brain that this is, this is their life for so long. They, they, they don't even realize that it's a rhythm. Or they write it off. They're spiritually write off. That's Old Testament. Sabbath is like an Old Testament word. Or it's just old. And I just want new stuff. Just give me, he's like, They'll say that. Or he says, really, the, the biggest part of it is they're afraid to slow down. Because once they do, the, all of the pomp and circumstance around their life is gone, and it's just them and the Lord. And they're scared of what they might find in here or who they might find themselves to be when all the rush of their life isn't happening. I was like, hmm, maybe I'm like all four of those. I don't know. But I was in. So I bought the book, which I usually do when I go to a conference. Then I went home and I read it, which I rarely do. And I realized as I read this, there's these charts like, how are you doing with this, this, and this? And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm terrible at this. Like, terrible. I'm getting ones out of five on, like, every question. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. Remember the time frame. This was the first week of March 2020. One week later, the whole world shuts down for COVID. And so I'm like, okay, I am going to do something about this. But in two weeks after we flatten the curve, then I'm going to do it. Uh huh. <laughs> Two plus years later, I find myself still in that same place of like, huh. I'm intrigued, but I don't get it. And so tonight, I just want to teach for a little bit on the topic of Sabbath. Not exhaustive, uh, but an introduction, maybe more of like an like an invitation, uh, because I don't think I'm the only one who does that. Some of you are like, maybe you've got it figured out, but it's really difficult for pastors because they work weekends. So it's like when you're going to take that weekend, it's like mm, for some Saturday might be your Sabbath and this is a part of it. And I applaud you for those listening tomorrow. It'll be like Sunday's a part of like our Sabbath and, and I applaud you. But I, I wonder if we really understand what that's really all about. And so uh, and, and like I said, I don't think I'm the only one. As like people are asking me, hey, how's your vacation? I was like, explain it. And they're like, you know, I think I need a sabbatical. But U.S. Steel doesn't give those, you know, or Stelco or whatever it is now. And others were like, you know, they say this, like, oh, yeah, I know that I probably need to slow down, but. Man, I don't know how many times I heard that. And everything after the but was different, but it was that same thing. Yeah, yeah, I kind of need to slow down. It's not, you know, even tonight, I heard about a guy who drives a water truck part-time, working 70 hours a week. I know probably need to slow down a bit. He said I could mention it, so I did. I won't point you out. But I encourage you tonight. I encourage you to take some notes. Tonight again is not here simply for me to entertain. I really hope that you grasp some of this and maybe it's like as you write it down you're like, ah, I, I found something. I, I don't know if he knows this and, and, and send me an email. I'd love to hear about it. But I'd encourage you to take some notes because I think you're right. I think when you say, hey, I feel like I need to slow down, I think you're right. So what is a Sabbath? What is it? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, it's close to the front, easy to find. Exodus chapter 20. Here's where where Scripture first defines exactly what a, a Sabbath is. Exodus twenty verse eight. He says this. This is in the Ten Commandments, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Here's one of the commands that God gives to the nation of Israel. He says this: Remember to observe the Sabbath day. He says remember because he's already told them about this, and we'll see it in a second. But he's like this: Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And that just simply means keeping it set apart. Like there's something special about this day and you set it apart. It's like uh, the couple that just got married. They set aside a day and it was like, neither one of them was going to skip that day, right? They, they knew we're, we're getting married on that day. We've set that day apart. That's all that it means. He's like, we're setting this day apart. And he says in verse nine, you have six days each week to do your ordinary work. How many days? Remember that. Six days. And he says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest. It's dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. So that includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, uh, and any foreigners among you. He's like, I don't even want your cows to work. Like nobody works. He says, for in six days, Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. It's like man, even God like the one he doesn't he doesn't need to rest. And yet here he is, he he rests. And the more that I thought about this topic of Sabbath, all of a sudden it pops up everywhere. So um, you know, I saw it in Scripture. And I keep reading it, and we're reading through Mark right now, and it keeps jump popping up. Jesus keeps doing miracles on the on the Sabbath, and then at our men's group the other night, I haven't been there in like nine weeks, and we get there, and they're asking, "How was your summer?" I'm like, you know, I've been really uh, uh, learning about this thing called Sabbath, and like really learning how to put that into practice. And they look at me like did you watch the video? I'm like, no. And then the video comes on. Hey, Josh is like, they're talking about strong men. They're like, strong men practice the Sabbath. And then they're all like looking at me because they had seen it. I had, not I was like, must be a thing, you know? And then I'm seeing it. And like the Bible project all of a sudden has this thing on Sabbath. And then YouTube is like recommending like, so thanks to the algorithm for doing something right. Once it was like, here, here you go. All of this all of this stuff popping up. And I, 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 here's a few of the things that, that I'm learning. And I'd like to encourage you with them. Number one is this. Practicing Sabbath is obeying God. Practicing Sabbath. Taking a time of, you know, the Sabbath for the Jewish people. It's 24 hours in a day. A span of 24 hours once a week where they're like, we're not doing any work. Nobody is. And in that, it was this obedience to God. And it's more than just keeping a rule. Like, I was raised in that church as a kid where we didn't do anything on Sunday. You know why? Because nothing was open. Uh, Like, that's how old I am. Like, back then, we thought it was cool when Tim Horton started breaking the rules and being open on Sundays. And my parents, you know, became cool enough to start actually going to places like Wendy's for the Super Value menu on Sundays. It was like, it was a big deal. Because I was too young to realize what what the, the gift that Sabbath was. Like, now I'm like wishing that they still had a day where everything was closed. It would be a lot, it would be a lot simpler. But he wasn't giving them a rule. He was giving them a rhythm. Giving them a rhythm. And I don't know if he caught it as he was talking about what this rhythm looks like. But I was thinking about that. Some people have rhythm and some people don't. Just listen to the clapping here sometime. Some people can follow the beat and some can't. But there's this rhythm. Uh, last night we were line dancing. And so uh, at this event, yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty great. And I, I've never done line dancing. Like not these tunes, not Cowboy stuff. And so uh, I went there and I was like, okay, this this looks fun and I'll try it. And uh, as I'm going, I'm like, I just watch the other people, I'm like, wow, Levi Ferber, that guy, like he's got it. And like Cheyenne was like, wow, she's got it. But then I turned, now I'm following somebody else, I'm like, they don't got it. And then all of a sudden I don't got it either, right? I'm like, and what I realized is if you don't have the right rhythm, you can hurt yourself or other people around you. And I thought, you know, that's really similar with this. If you miss this rhythm, you can hurt you and hurt others around you as well. This rhythm that God's designed for us, this, this thing of obedience, six days work, one day rest. Practicing Sabbath is not just obeying God, it's trusting God. See, the first Sabbath came before this one. When the children of Israel rescued them out of Egypt, he's taking them to the promised land. And on the way, on the way there, he tells them, saying, listen, I've got like this great promise for you, but we're not there yet. But I want to give you a taste of what it's like. I want to give you a taste of what rest is like. And he said to them in the wilderness, he's like, hey, for, uh, I'm going to provide for you guys. I'm going to bring manna, bread out of heaven. And he says, I'm going to give it to you every day. So every, every, on, every day of the week, I want you to go out there and collect just enough that you need. Don't take any extra. I want you to trust me. There will be more tomorrow. And uh, so they would go and they'd collect it. And then on day six, he says, okay, That was for those days. Now today, I want you to go out. You're going to see twice as much. And I want you to collect twice as much. And he says, that's going to to provide for you for two days. So you don't have to go out tomorrow to pick it up. And sure enough, people are like, I'm not sure there's going to be any tomorrow. And so they gather too much and it all goes wormy. And then it says later that on the sixth day, they were like, oh, no, it's always been there every day. I'm not going to do this. And then they wake up in the morning and they're all going hungry. And he's like, I want you to learn that you can trust me. Trust me that what I tell you is good for you and is right. And it's like, it's this idea of trusting God that he actually knows me and you better than we know me and you. He's like, he's our designer. He's like, you, I was there before you were there. I know how you best run. You know, I went to Windsor with our kids um, for our, uh, part of our vacation time, uh, as we were off. And, uh, uh, we had a great time with some, uh, some people out there. And then, and then all of a sudden they had mentioned something like I was asking about some of the restaurants to go to afterwards. Cause there was like five guys and whatever else. And then they said, Oh yeah, we got Chick-fil-A now. And I was like, Ch- Chick-fil-A. I forgot about Chick-fil-A, but you know, my kids need to experience Chick-fil-A. There's only like a couple in Canada or, or in Ontario. And I was like, um, we, let's go. And then all of a sudden they told me like, well, you can't, it's closed. It's Sunday. And my kids were like, dad, yeah. Don't you listen to the Kanye West song? My Chick Fil A, closed on Sunday. You you don't listen to it either. Chick Fil A closed on Sunday, and I was like, yeah yeah, I should have known this. I remember watching the founder of Chick Fil A at a leadership event. His name was Truett Cathy, and he spoke at uh, he spoke at a this event. uh, I was online, and uh, he talked about starting Chick Fil A. And he had worked in the restaurant industry before, and he worked like like seven days a week, and he said, you know what? He says, when I got the chance to do this, he says, I just decided I was just going to trust God's rhythm for work. And he says, every Chick-fil-A will be closed on Sunday. Give our, give our people who work here a chance to practice their, their faith like we do in Christ. Or if they don't, at least they get a chance to rest. Let them know we value them as people, that they'll have a chance to rest. And people thought it was nuts. They're like, you're, you're never going to be able to compete in the, in, in the fast food industry. And he said, you know what? He says, listen, we'll make more money in six days than those guys will make in seven days. You just watch. Sure enough, Chick-fil-A has won like the the food industry of the year award uh, a number of times. It is an incredible story. Why? Because I'm just going to trust the Lord that what he says is actually right. I thought, man, there's this thing of trusting again. And we found another Chick-fil-A on another day. So it it was all good. But it's not just obeying God. It's not just trusting God. It's actually imitating God. You know, the rhythm that he set in place, six days you shall work, seven you should rest. That's what he did when he created the whole thing. He's like, this is, this is how I did it. I created it in six days and on the seventh day rested. And here's the rhythm that I want. You're made in my image. Here's the rhythm that we, we live by or we should. Six days work, one day rest. Six days work, one day rest. One day rest. Six days work. One day rest. Yeah, yeah, but what if they call for water on day seven? Six days work. One day rest. Yeah, 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 but I got called in for overtime. Six days work. One day rest. See, because that's the rhythm that he wants in our lives. Six, and it's, and, and it's, it's six days work. Like, if you don't work, you need to get a job. You know, six days work. <laughs> it's just how to put that in there. One day rest. Unless you're retired. But re- then you need to work for the Lord. Uh oh, I got somebody's. Good question. Great question. I'll get to that in a minute. In our, it's a really good question. In our culture, though, if you think about the rhythm of our culture when it comes to work and rest, what is it, what is it like? It's like work, 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 overtime, overtime, work, vacation, work, 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 overtime, 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 better vacation, work, 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 overtime, overtime, wife's overtime, send her to work, 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 overtime, work, vacation. The Japanese have a word that they invented called kiroshi. The Chinese added their own word and there's another country, I forget what it is now that they added the word. And they had to come up with this word because they were finding people who were dropping dead at work. They were working so many hours. It was the stress. All. They have heart failed, Thousands of them every year. And they call it Kiroshi. It was basically they worked themselves to death. Now, you know what? It's happening in North America, too. We just do it slower. We don't realize that this, this thing is, is affecting us in, in big ways. You know, Jesus, not just imitating God, but imitating Jesus, lived by the rhythm of work and rest. He did ministry, and then he'd go rest. And then if something interrupted it, like when he was saying, he said to the disciples, let's go rest in Mark 6. And then... All of a sudden, 5,000 people show up, and they're hungry. He's like, oh, man, I can't just leave them, has compassion on them, feeds them. But then instantly after that, he's like, okay, I'm going back to the mountain to rest. He'd go off to be alone. The Sabbath, is like this brief moment in time, and you can find it in this book. Here's the book that I uh, read from Pete, Pete Scazzare. It's Emotionally Healthy Leader. Uh, if you're looking for some, some stuff to kind of walk you through, it was, he says this in, in the thing that for a brief moment in time, we reorient ourselves away from this world and all its brokenness. And we anticipate the world to come. How things on earth are meant to be. Where we find ourselves in that place of, of rest. Where we find ourselves in that place of delighting in him. Where we find ourselves in that, in the, in that moment. And Jesus talked about it too. He said to, the, to, to um, uh, the Pharisees about all their rules. They're like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And what does he say to them? Hey, if you've got a cow that fell in the ditch. You know, if you've got a cow that needs milking, what are you going to do? You're going to take care of that. You're going to do the things that are necessary. You're going to do the things that have to be done, but the rest? Or you hire somebody to do the things that have to be done. But he says this, you know, he didn't say this part, but maybe we should add it. I think a guy named uh, Robert Morris said it, that if the cow falls in the ditch every week, then uh, then probably you have a management problem, right? If you, can't, if you can't find a way to have that time off, it happens every week there's something else going on. And so, I don't know about you, but as I thought about this, this like, this rest, this opportunity for rest, it sounds great, but where do you start? Let me give you four quick thoughts about where do you start? How do we even start if we we're going to do something called Sabbath? Number one is this, stop work. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. And I'll tell you, it is more difficult to do than you might think. That hardwiring on our brains is against us. The temptation for the things to, to, to get there, it's against us. Um, Robert Morris is a pastor. He was talking with, uh, with another pastor. They were trying to plan a lunch uh, meeting, and so they, they got together, and he says, this is a long time ago. They had day timers, and they had their day timers out, and the one guy's like, how's Monday? He's like, no, I got this and this, and he's like, okay, Tuesday, and the other like, no, I got this and this. Wednesday, he's like, oh, sorry, it's jammed. Thursday, he's like, I got, he's like, I got nothing scheduled on Thursday, and he's like, perfect. Let's do Thursday. He's like, no, I can't. I got nothing scheduled on Thursday. He's like, Okay, so we can do it. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. I have nothing scheduled on Thursday. My Thursday is do nothing. And he says, you know what? I'll take you out Friday and I'll explain. And that's sometimes a thing for us. Is like we actually have to schedule a day to do nothing because it will always fill up with things. It's a, it's a time when you say stop. You have to acknowledge your limits. You have to acknowledge that I don't make the world spin. It, it, it's going to run without me. I took eight weeks off from here and it didn't fall apart. I was so surprised. <laughs> Part of me wants it, not, not that it falls apart, but wants to be needed, right? Like, man, they need me. If I'm not there, no, you don't. You need Jesus, and we all need, we all need this thing called rest. But you're going to have to acknowledge you have some limits. And you're going to have to acknowledge this other thing called the pile, The pile of things that have to be done. And doesn't that pile just keep, like, stuff just keeps getting added to it? Maybe yours isn't paperwork. Maybe yours is jobs around the house. Maybe it's whatever it is. I can just, can I just tell you this? The pile will never be done. Never. You can take a day off, and it's not going to affect the pile at all. You can work every day, and it's not going to affect the pile at all. At your funeral, there will still be a pile of things you did not get done. It will always be there. And once you regularly stop to take a Sabbath and say, I'm going to take a day off, I'm not going to work on completing the pile, guess what you'll begin to do? You'll begin to stop adding to the pile, which is like a freedom. When all of a sudden you realize somebody offers you to do something, you're like, "Ah, I'd love to do that, but it's going to add to the pile. So no, you're going to have to learn this powerful little word called no. You'll end up saying yes to less if you can learn how to say no. Kids never have a problem with that word. It's like, super easy but as we get older no is like it's difficult but it's the only difficult because we haven't figured out what we want to say yes to when you say man i'm going to say yes to the lord and i'm going to say yes to this rhythm and i'm going to say yes to this it becomes a whole lot easier to say no to the other thing so number one stop work number two enjoy rest enjoy it matthew chapter 11 we read this last week in a different context but verse 28 we read this to you matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28 if you're flipping through you'll and you have red letters you'll find them you're close. Matthew 11, Jesus says this, verse 28. Then Jesus said to those who are there, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Why? Because my yoke's easy to bear and the burden that I give is like he mentions two things here. He mentions rest twice and he mentions this yoke twice. We talked about the yoke last week being like this burden of, of carrying things. But meta- metaphorically, it's, it's um, speaking of like rules and regulations. And Jesus is like, you want to follow rules and regulations, they're heavy. But come and follow my rules and regulations and you'll find that they're a whole lot lighter. And he's thinking, one of them, what they actually do is they give you rest a chance to cease from your labor, to collect your strength, to be refreshed, to, for like, recreation, recreate. Uh, it's, it's this chance to breathe. When's the last time you just took, like, a deep breath and just let it out? You should. It's crazy. It's this thing, you know, with an- people dealing with anxiety. Tell them, just breathe. Like, breathe. Just stop and breathe for a minute. With others, they tell them, you know, dealing with stress or dealing with hardship, giving birth. What do they tell you? Breathe, right? Breathe. And that was just to me, you know? I'm like, yes, okay, now I can keep coaching Beth. <laughs> breathe. Breathe. We, we spend so much of our life shallow breathing even, and it's just, it, we do so much of that even in our lives. Uh, the way we live is there's just never this time to just breathe. To simply enjoy rest or the Sabbath because it's a gift to you. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, just flip a few pages over. Mark chapter 2, he says in verse 27... Jesus was talking to them about the Sabbath and how the priest and everybody was trying to keep all the rules of it. And he says to them, listen, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. And not, people weren't made to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath, he says. He's like, don't you realize that this day God created it to meet your needs? It's, it's not this chore like I always thought as a kid. Like, oh, I can't do nothing. It's the most boring thing. It's like, no, it's actually the opposite. It's about to give you the time that's, that you absolutely need. And so what do you do on a Sabbath? What do you do if you're gonna do this? Can I just say this? It's probably it's it's less about what you do and more about what you don't do. Simple. No work, unpaid or paid. No work. The honey do list, treat it as the honey don't list. I mean, now some of you are like, I'm in. To do. I got nothing to do today. Said last week, you know, for some of us that makes us feel lazy. That's a lie. That's a lie from, from the enemy. You know, you think about the Ten Commandments, and we're like, you don't keep the commandments to get saved. That's not why you keep them. But there's a blessing in keeping them. And we would agree that we would keep all the others. We have no problem saying, you know, uh, he says, thou shalt not murder. I'm like, well, I kind of want to. You know, we, we don't do that. <laughs> but, but, you know, thou shalt not lie. We're like, yeah, lying's not good. Thou shalt not steal. Yeah, we're good with that. And then keep the Sabbath. We're like, well, I, don't know, I think I can, I, can, I can handle that one. But the thing is this. Simply choose to just say, I'm not going to do what's work-related. And just think of the things that energize you. And sometimes this is hard for people because all they do it's work, work, work. They never, they never think about what actually energizes them. What, what, what could you do? Go for a hike, go for a bike ride, read, take a nap, go on a date with your wife, go out with your kids, unless that feels like work, um, play games, do stuff together, an opportunity like to cook together. What a, what a cool opportunity, what a neat thing to do. Eat together, play together. You're going to have to plan it if you ever want to take that type of rest. And then third is this, practice delight. What are the things that you take great delight in? I love this picture. <laughs> what is it that that's your reaction to something? Where you're like, oh, I'd actually have time to do that? What is that in your life that you're like, I, I, I just never do that because I just never have time for that. But it's like, I just, I just love it. You know, and I would say this, delight without regrets. Because if I asked my kids this to be like, my son would be like, play video games all day. But then you get out angry with like a screen hangover. So that's not like the kind of delight you want. Or it's like, oh man, I just want to eat sweets. You know, it's my thing. But then you have like the, you know, gut rot all day. And it's like, yeah, it's not the thing. What is it that you're like, this is stuff that I delight in. Maybe it's music, playing it, writing it. I don't know. Maybe it's art or nature or reading a book or cooking or poetry or gardening. And somebody tonight says, gardening, that's work. Not for me. Man, I can sit out there. I'm just like, wow, God, like, this is incredible how this happens. I know that planted that tiny seed. I just love watching what happens to it. And the second it feels like work, there's a weed. See, I'm coming back tomorrow, right? Like, that is that thing of, like, once it's energized, it's a thing. And then Psalm 37, verse 4 says this. I'll just read it to you. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord. There's lots of things we take delight in because he wants us to delight in this gift of life. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you desires for your heart. And it's taking time to recognize really what it is, is what makes a day off different from a Sabbath is this one point. is recognizing that all of those gifts and all of those things come from him and are the opportunity to contemplate him and delight in him and, and have that chance to grow in him. It's not about taking like time off from God but drawing closer to him pondering him and his love for us you know it's not about reading the bible all day but that might be part of it but it's just stopping and taking a moment like whoa i just i just noticed something i took this picture do we have that picture i took the maybe it's called ponder it's about a lake but I took this picture last night. For those who were at a volunteer dinner, you kind of drove in and wandered and raced in to go get you know food or whatever it was. But if you looked across the driveway, I didn't have much choice. I was doing parking. But I stood there, and I just, is it we don't have it? Uh, so I looked at this pristine, quiet lake, like barely a ripple. There was a geese just chattering and flying. Not a care in the world. One lonely birch tree standing just r- r- rooted on the rocks there kind of out like I'm like man it's it's I wonder what it's seen I wonder uh, what the 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 majesty of it is and then it's a, a couple of the ones that came late they were like oh man that is something and they came beside me and they're like we got we got to take pictures of that that is that is something last night as we sat there on the fire we're just looking up like man that moon is like it is like it is like the perfect night and it's like what is it we just we can just go it's just a night we have them every 12 hours it's just another night or was it? It's like, God, look, when I consider your handiwork, the, the stars, the moon, who am I that you're even mindful of me? Sly Stone, you are incredible. That, was that what you pictured as I described it? Yeah. Yes. Didn't need the picture. Um, that is this thing of saying, God, every gift that I would see the sacredness in everything I do, in the meals that we eat, in the, in the things that, that uh, happen, in the interactions, in the people in my life, in the, in the uh, opportunity to parent, in the opportunity to be married. God, these are great gifts from you. Beth has a book called Every Moment Holy. and She has this thing posted in our, um, in our uh, uh, meal prep area or whatever that thing's called, the closet where they keep the food. What's that? That's the word. Thank you. In the pantry. And I said this, I read this as I was, saw it. It says this, Meet us, Lord, in the making of this meal and make it something more than just mere nourishment for the body. Make it the center of a sheltered space where grace freely flows. Let the slow savoring of these foods give pause to those who will soon partake, prompting them to linger long at this table, taking rest from the labors of their day and engaging in good conversation. Let the comforting qualities of the dishes we prepare become catalysts for a rich fellowship, a warm consolation, and a fruitful increase of holy affections. May this meal serve to remind those who share its pleasures of the goodness and the hope that infuses all creation. Unto that end, let us labor creatively, with imaginations engaged, knowing that we are cooks in the kitchen, yes, but we are also agents of deep eternity whose prepared meals might feed more than the body, nourishing also the hearts and the hopes of those sometimes weary souls who are well served by our labors. Amen. Some people cook. Some people do that. What an opportunity, you know, to just see it as something more. And so this is my challenge, my question. Would you practice sabbath delay and when i say a practice it's like because you don't get it perfect right away man it's tough We've been trying, we try different days. We finally figured out Monday's is going to be the day that we attempt to do this as a family. What do we do? If you, like for us, we just get up and we, we some, most of the times we'll make like a special breakfast together. Kids are making pancakes or waffles or whatever it is. We get like all the toppings out and we just have a great time uh, having breakfast together as a family. And then we move over to the living room. We have a small group. We do small group church in our house with our family. Why not? Sit there and we ask our kids, say, hey, what were your highs and lows this week? See God at work at all? Any scriptures, anything you heard or learned that jumped out at you? Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. Then we'll sing. Sometimes we'll pray with or for each other. And then now, recently we are reading Jim Elliott, you know, the, 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 just this, this hero of faith who went out to do these incredible things. And then after that's over, because the boys sometimes are like falling off the couch by that point, it's like, all right, let's go do stuff. Let's just go have fun with the rest of our day, thinking about what can I do that I do it together and just having a day of rest. So my question is, how about you? How do you practice Sabbath? What do you do? Have you thought about what that feels like? Or is it, maybe you're like, man, I'm like that guy at the beginning. I'm Go, go, go. I, I feel like I can't slow down. Like, I, I feel empty. I feel burdened. Tonight, there'll be two things, and i leave you with this. If you're feeling empty and burdened on the inside, there's two things I think it may be. One, you may not be right with the Lord. You may be here, but you've never really, you know, admitted that you need him more than just as a God to believe in. Deep down here, you, you, know, you, you, you haven't admitted that you know, my, I, I just live for me, and I'm just trying to please me, and it just isn't working. But I'm coming to that understanding. And you start realizing that you know, God's standard that he calls us to, like, yeah, I have not kept that. And I can't actually fix it, even if I try. You know, those things I have guilt and regret over, I can't fix them. You come to that place, you realize, you know what? I need something more than just me. The only one that fills that gap, the only one with the ability to rescue us from us is him. The only one to be able to forgive sin is him. And it takes us saying, okay, Jesus, I repent of that, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you instead. He comes in. He forgives. He becomes the treasure. But, man, let me say hold on to that from that moment on. And the second thing is maybe you feel empty and burdened on the inside. You're like, ah, but I'm a follower of Jesus. I would say you're probably like I was where maybe for you it's a simple thing to say, you know what, maybe I need to consider a different rhythm for life that's as old or old as time itself. Maybe I need to start taking a chance to like rest from work so that I'll be able to work from rest instead. It's a gift. It is a gift. I would love for you to like wrestle with this as difficult as it may be because I think there's a great blessing on the other side of us getting this right. Can I pray with us? Heavenly Father, I am just thankful that you don't give up on us. I'm a slow learner, but you're faithful. Lord, I just want to say thank you for the way that you speak to us. That moment at a conference, It's pages in a book, the truth of your word still small voice on the inside, the prick of our conscience. Man, all those things, <laughs> you truly love us. And Lord Jesus, tonight we find ourselves really all in different places when it comes to this. And you know that. Your word's alive and powerful enough to dig deep into each of our hearts. And I just, Lord, I ask that you would do that in every heart that's open to you tonight. Would you truly speak to us of what you desire for that to look like in our lives? God, help us to obey you, to trust you, to imitate you, to pursue you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for everything you've done in my life so far. I'm grateful. Thank you for rescuing me. I'm grateful. i pray over every person here tonight as we go from this place and face the barrage of life. Just remind us of this. Breath of life, would you remind us to breathe? (laughs) Spirit of life, would you remind us we're more than just our bodies? Father, I pray you'd be glorified in your church through the way we live our lives with you and for you. I ask this in your name tonight. Amen. Amen. So if you have kids downstairs, you may have to go. But, you know, our discussion question we have is just one. And I just encourage you, if you want to sit here for a minute and just think about it, I would encourage you to do so. Or if you thought, ah, there was this one thing that jumped out at me, write it down and take it home. Put it in your pocket and ponder it. Ponder it. It took me two plus years to get there. I pray it takes less for you. It'll be worth it. If you're here tonight and you'd like somebody to pray with you, Brian would love to. I would love to. Gary's here. Uh, Beth will pray with people, I'm sure. But otherwise, feel free just to have a great evening in the cafe. And you don't have to rush home. But thanks for being here tonight. And uh, we'll see you soon.